At the end of their first date, a young couple arrives at her home. With bravery and courage, the one decides to try for that important first kiss. So they place their hand against the door jamb, lean in and whisper, I had a really great time tonight. May I kiss you goodnight? Horrified, the other replies, are you mad? My parents will see us. Oh, come on, who's going to see us at this hour? No, please, can you imagine if we get caught? Oh, come on, there's nobody around. They're all sleeping. No way, it's too risky. Please, please, I had a really great time and I like you a lot. I like you too, but I just can't. Oh, yes, you can. Please, please, just say yes. With that, the porch light comes on. The front door flies open, and there appeared the younger sister, standing there in her pajamas, hair a mess, and in a sleepy voice, she says, Dad says to go ahead and just say yes and kiss, or I can kiss him, or if need be, Dad will come down and himself and do it, but for crying out loud, somebody kiss him so they'll take their hand off the doorbell. So much like that younger sister and their father urged the girl in the story to do, this morning I am also urging you to say yes to life. Our theme for this month is inspired by a statement the master teacher Jesus made more than 2,000 years ago. In the gospel according to John chapter 10 verse 10, I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What does it mean to, ha- to live an abundant life? What are all those things saying when we speak of such things? The abundant life is the life in which we allow God to express itself through us. And I think Ernest Holmes was influenced by this idea when he wrote this in the Science of Mind text. He said, God is more fully expressed by the person who lives largely than the person who lives meagerly. So that's our exploration this month. And today, we're going to look at it from the perspective of saying yes to life. So what does that mean? I mean, you think about it, you're alive. What does it mean to say yes to it? In a practical sense... It's been said that there are really only two emotions, only two emotional forces that drive us, that propel us, that motivate us and move us. And they are love, and who knows the other one? Fear. So when we are being driven, propelled, motivated, and moved by fear, we are in essence saying no to life. In the words of Ernest Holmes in The Science of Mind at page 404, he says, fear destroys the possibility of a greater degree of livingness to those who suffer from it. But when we are driven, propelled, motivated, and moved by love, we're saying yes to life, right? So on page 298 of The Science of Mind, Ernest Holmes touches on what we looked at in last week's talk when he says, love is the grandest healing and drawing power on earth. 
Love is the sole impulse for creation. And then on page 608, he says, love is a cosmic force whose sweep is irresistible. Now, I acknowledge that we live in times that seem quite challenging. The world around us can seem pretty scary, kind of off course. And there appears to be a lot of fear. And it may seem unrealistic to be talking about living the abundant life, saying yes, living in love, when we are dealing with all of the stuff going on today. I mean, we live in Los Angeles, California. California is the second most expensive state in the country to live in, and the second most expensive city and county in the country to live in is Los Angeles. And then there's all of the other chaos happening. Granted, I'm only peripherally aware of most of it since I actively choose to avoid news media, but even I've heard some of it. And so I'm sure it's scary to look at, right? Now, if any of you have come into the bookstore and asked for a book recommendation, you probably heard me say that you can never go wrong with anything by Wayne Dyer. Here's an example. In an interview featured in an old Science of Mind magazine, yes, I've been sifting through those a lot lately, he said this, and it really struck me on several levels. He said, how strange it is that people want to blow themselves up to make a point or blow up other people. I always say to myself, it's not about me. And if there's nothing I can do about the way people conduct themselves, I'm not going to feel bad about it, no matter what. I know I can't feel bad enough to make anyone who is feeling bad feel good. Just like I can't get sick enough to make one person who is ill get well. So I think it's really incumbent upon us even if we do see these events around the world, to feel good in those moments. To me, that's akin to saying yes to life, right? And he goes on to say, because then you can do something about it. It's in feeling good, or saying yes to life, that you've joined God consciousness and you start to radiate that out. But by feeling bad or saying no to life, you become what you're opposed to. Other people are blowing up trains and people because they feel bad. So now you feel bad and then you want to retaliate against them. And before you know it, we've created this force, counterforce that goes on and on and on. And that's exactly what we have going on in the world around us today, right? I believe each one of us has a responsibility to shift the force-counterforce balance, to use Dyer's term. And we can do that by saying yes, by being driven, propelled, moved, and motivated by love. Are you? Maybe before you answer that question, we ought to look at what living from love looks like and what living from fear looks like. And I'm going to give you a list of differences. And as I read these differences, take a personal assessment. 
This is not about self-judgment. This is about being self-aware. Okay? So where are you in these? Do you fall on the side of love or the side of fear? Love believes that success is possible. Fear needs proof that failure can be avoided first. Love reaches forward. Fear holds on to the past. Love relishes in even the smallest victory. Fear judges even the smallest failure. We're all guilty of that one sometimes, right? Love looks for the best. Fear assumes the worst. Love values the return on an investment, but fear counts the cost of everything. Love embraces the potential. Fear clings to what's realistic. Yes, air quotes, I know they're cringy, but that's what works. Love explores the path ahead. Fear analyzes the road just taken. Love celebrates diversity. Fear condemns that which is different or unfamiliar. Love rejoices in another's success. Fear is envious of it. Love pilots while being guided by the stars. Fear steers while looking in that rearview mirror. Ask yourself again, not so that we get into the self-judgment, but for self-assessment, and to perhaps create that shift and change this morning. So ask yourself, are you living more from love or from fear? Are you saying yes to life? Whether we are saying yes or no to life is dependent upon our personal belief system, our internal programming, if you will. Personal belief systems in us are like programs and applications in computers and phones. When we use a program, say Excel, spreadsheet program, Jean can tell you all about that, um, we don't expect it to operate like Photoshop. Photoshop is photo editing, editing and graphics uh, program. They do different things, and they're moved to f- perform in different ways. So if we want to create graphics, we'll use our graphics program and not our spreadsheet program, Right? And if we want to do bookkeeping and pro forma financial statements, we're going to use our program for spreadsheets. The same principle applies to us and our internal programming. If we want to have the peace, flow, power, love, joy, serenity, plenty, all those terms that we've used to describe that abundant life that Jesus promised, if we want it then we need to have a belief system that supports that kind of output. We need a love-based belief system because our input determines our output. So here's another opportunity for self-assessment. Again, not self-judgment. The person who is living from a fear-based belief system believes that the world is unsafe. People and events can take away They're good. Their security and safety are in someone else's hands. They can't trust life. They can't trust others. They can't trust themselves. That if someone disagrees with them, it means they could lose something or somehow. That they're not good enough, worthy enough, 
valuable enough. Remember, we were anointed in worthiness last month by Reverend Terry, so that is not an excuse for us, right? The person living from a loved-based belief system believes that we are created by love, from love, and that love supports us. We believe that all we need is provided, that the universe is safe, that we are supported and protected no matter what is going on around us, that our good cannot be separated from us. We trust the goodness of life. We are secure. We are here for a reason. We deserve an abundant life. Now, did you notice that I used they when I spoke about fear and we when I spoke about love? There is power in identifying with the positive. And there is power in separating from the negative. That was intentional. If we want to have love point the way in our lives, we must build a belief system that supports that perception. This is where choice plays a part. Marianne Williamson said, Love is what we are born with. Fear is what we learn here. The spiritual journey is the relinquishment or unlearning of fear and the acceptance of love back into our hearts. That's our spiritual journey, returning to a love-based belief system. The good news is it can be done. The person who lives in love, who says yes to life, is the person who has immersed themselves in activities that will support a love-based belief system. Are the activities that you engage in Love-based or fear-based? How are you being influenced? Ask yourself. Who or what is having the most influence upon you? Your negative friends? The negativity around you? The TV? The news and race consciousness? Race consciousness is not speaking of countries and ethnicities. It is speaking of the human race. So we are thinking of what? humanity is doing. Is that what's influencing you? For a lot of us, the answer is probably yes. So now is time to be in this world, but not of this world. We've heard that before, right? So when you're living in love, who or what is impacting your belief systems more of the time? How are you spending your time to strengthen and nurture that love? How about meditation, seeking spiritual experience like going out in nature, for example, reading positive books, listening to positive material, practicing affirmations for good, visioning for our greatest good. That's a big one, and it happens if you pay attention. Doing spiritual mind treatment or affirmative prayer. Spending time in church and in classes, looking to models of forgiveness and loving acceptance around us and looking for them. And those are just the first few I could think of as I was writing. Something that comes up a lot in conversations around here are that the things we teach are gettable. That something impacts us so seriously that we get it. Or we hear it over and over again and then we get it. 
And if you aren't quite getting it yet, or if you do get it and just want to understand how to engage it a little bit more, I suggest going for repetition. I've heard it said that we learn through impact and repetition. It's within our power of choice. And I know that's something you hear from me all the time here, but it is one of the greatest tools I can offer. Choose it repeatedly. If you want to let love lead the way, then choose over and over again to build a belief system that supports you in that. Listen to recordings. Affirm daily. Visualize daily. Pray daily. And in doing so, fill your life with love and acceptance that your world cannot help but point the way to greater love and acceptance. Choose life. Choose to live it abundantly. Choose to be the love you are in all your brilliance and choose never to believe again anything that would deny who you are. Magnificence, purely and completely, fully and completely deserving of that abundant life contained within Jesus' promise. I have come that I might give you life and give it more abundantly. I want to conclude by sharing a poem with you about a woman who was saying no to life and a little boy who, from a place of pure love, taught her to say yes. And it's called The Flower. Disillusioned by life, with good reason to frown, for the world was intent on dragging me down. And if that weren't enough to ruin my day, A young boy, out of breath, approached me, all tired from play, and he stood right before me with his head tilted down and said with great excitement, Look what I found. In his hand was a flower. What a pitiful sight, with its petals all worn. Not enough rain or too little light. Wanting him to take his dead flower and go off to play, I faked a small smile and then shifted away. But instead of retreating, he sat next to my side and placed the flower to his nose and declared with surprise, it sure smells pretty and it's beautiful too. That's why I picked it. Here, it's for you. The weed before me was dying or dead Not vibrant of colors, orange, yellow, or red, but I knew I must take it or he might never leave. So I reached for the flower and replied, just what I need. But instead of him placing the flower in my hand, he held it midair without reason or plan. It was then that I noticed for the very first time that weed-toting boy could not see. He was blind. I heard my voice quiver. Tears shone like the sun. I'm not alone. Thank you. Tears shone like the sun. As I thanked him for picking the very best one. You're welcome, he smiled and then ran off to play. Unaware of the impact he'd had on my day, I sat there and wondered how he managed to see a fearful, sad woman beneath that old tree. 
How did he know of my self-indulged plight? Perhaps with his heart, he'd been blessed with true sight. Through the eyes of a blind child, at last I could see the problem was not with the world. The problem was me. And for all those times I myself had been blind, I vowed to see the beauty in life and appreciate the wonder of love that is mine. And then I held that wilted flower up to my nose and breathed in the fragrance of a most beautiful rose. And I smiled as I watched that young boy, another weed in his hand, about to change the life of an unsuspecting old man. Saying yes to life, saying yes to love, is really saying yes to God. Yes, God, I know that I'm here to express life and express it more abundantly. Yes, God, I know that the more abundantly I express life, the more fully I express you. This morning, I want us to say yes together. And because I really, really want this to stick and hold fast, I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me. This is where that meditation reading comes in. What I want is for you to close your eyes. And after I say each line, I want you to either silently repeat it to yourself or say it in whatever way makes it take hold in your heart and mind. You ready? Today, I say yes to life. Because today, I choose love. I see love. I reveal love. I am love. My life is filled with abundance. And I live the life I love. And so it is. Thank you.